Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Listening live to in much less detail the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here with you live on a Tuesday night, December the 13th, 2016. I'm Dre, he's Jay, an eventful week 14 in the NFL, which saw Jason and I split that Sunday and Monday slate of 10 games where one of us is going to bury the other one. We split them right down the middle. Yeah, we, we did a Bill Alfonso. Hey, that happens sometimes. Still an eventful week. Still a lot of things that happen that we can discuss. The playoff picture, at this late stage in the season, you usually have the easy lead into any show like, hey, we got some clarity. We we got some things done for the playoffs as far as who's going to make it closer, who's possibly going to get eliminated. There wasn't really much that got cleared up as far as the playoff picture goes, because the Cowboys were the only team that clinched a spot before the week began, and they're still the only team that's clinched a spot. So, Jason, I don't know what uh, what quite to make of the NFL right now, but uh, parody seems to be the word of the day. Yeah, parody is the the nice way of putting it. You know, we've we, we've been we've been talking about the. I mean, as much as we love football, we've been talking about the overall sort of lack. of of good ball this seem to be very few and uh we have a lot of teams even despite the records we just have a lot of teams that all kind of middle or worse and uh yeah from week to week it's really hard to tell which which one of those teams is are they gonna rise up are they gonna fall flat or what are we what are we gonna get like we've got a whole lot of middle of the and that's part of the reason why any playoff clarity is because everybody's, you know, stuck in the middle. That that, that should be the theme song for the the league this year. You know, you get the little stuck in the middle. That's your. There's your lead to... song this year's uh, NFL 2016 recap on the DVD. We have to date ourselves at least once a week by pulling out some very old songs. So that's the, we got that in. That's already taken care of. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are, are, does that mean we're turning into Chris Berman? Oh shit! Oh, I see. It, I thought I'd be okay if, as long as we avoided the Eagles and Huey Lewis in the news. I thought we would never draw that comparison, but. I, I guess if we keep going back to songs that nobody's heard of, then yeah, I guess that puts us on the same level as, as old Boomer there. I didn't want to think of it like, like that, but didn't don't you think everybody knows that? Everybody knows what stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, it's a classic. 
Um, I hate to tell you, but under the age of 45, no, not, everyone does not know that song, no. Well, any, anybody who's seen Reservoir Dogs knows that song. Oh, I saw it, but it was 20 years ago. Um, yeah. that, if we had listenership, that would be a poll we could do. It. Who here knows the song Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel? I, I, I really don't think it would be more than like 20% of the listenership. <laughs> oh, God, that would be bad. <laughs> but you know what? 100% of the hosts of this show. We're old. That's how it works. We're old. Are you having trouble with your headset? Am I breaking up? No, I'm 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 in I'm in good shape tonight. Are you hearing me good? No, you've been breaking up a little. Um you're oh. you you're pretty good right now, but at the beginning you were really, really choppy. And then now I'm hearing sort of beating around the microphone as if you as if you're boxing with it. So I don't know if that's some sort of issue with the internet up there or what's going on, but you're 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 fine at the moment. Well, I'll try to stay good. All right. Uh, there's a lot of different ways we could start uh, because I'm a, I have a, a huge ego and, and I need to get my successes out of the way first. I want to start with that Sunday night game where the Cowboys picked up their second loss of the year to the exact same team that gave them their first loss, which would be the New York giants. And they did it in a way that I, I think perfectly spotlights exactly why no one believes in them. They had nothing going for them until Odell Beckham caught a slam pass and ran away from everybody. And you can say what you want about it, but that's why they won the game. That and, and uh, some subpar play from Black Jesus and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. After that first drive of the game, they were pretty much nowhere to be found. And you, you got to give the New York Giants defense credit for that. They, they certainly seem to dial it up a notch and really put the pressure on Dak Prescott and giving him some coverages he wasn't familiar with, giving him some blitzes that the, the O-line had trouble picking up. But Odell Beckham, just to me, that's that's the story. To me, in a league of unbelievable athletic prowess everywhere, the, the globe's most explosive athletes, I think, are in the National Football League. They have to be because otherwise you'd get killed. You have to be. Uh, an explosive athlete to survive in the NFL or else you you get murdered every week. And in a league full of them, Odell Beckham like stands out. Like how hard to stand out amongst all those guys, but he does it. That guy, that 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 catch, he catches that slant. Brandon Carr had an angle. I actually yelled out when he caught the slant. Oh, he's gone. Ball game. And then I saw that Brandon Carr had the angle and I felt stupid, even though I was home with my wife, there was nobody else listening. But I, I thought, uh-oh, I, I said it too soon. He's about to get tackled, but it's still going to be a, a big play. He didn't get tackled. He ran away from everybody. He ran away from whoever the safety was that was coming over to try to hit him, just made a move on him. He ran away from Brandon Carr, the original guy covering him, who I thought had an angle on him, and he ran away from him anyway. Uh Odell Beckham is just unfucking believable, uh, and that's the entire reason they won the game. That's really the reason the Giants are where they are. They they don't have much of anything else going for them, honestly, uh, but yet they managed to pull out because the Cowboys didn't have what it takes to stop Odell Beckham. It really came down to that, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it it makes you look smart, so I know that's why you're pointing it out. Yeah, they 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 uh, 
they didn't stop Odell Beckham on one play. Now it ended up being the game, the, the decisive touchdown in the game, but it was a ten to seven game. It was a dog shit game. Eli Manning played like crap. Minus oh my one god, play. he tried to throw that game away. <laughs> uh, Dak Prescott oh played god. like crap. I mean, both teams did not inspire much on either side. I don't know if that was. I don't think that was the Giants' defense as much as I think we're starting to see very slowly here, every week by week, we're starting to see that Dak Prescott coming back down to earth a little bit every week, week by week. Um, he hasn't had a great game in, in, in a while, it seems like now. And, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott still went out there and got his 100, 100 plus yards. And, you know, the Cowboys, for, for as much as we rag on that defense of theirs, they held the Giants to 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, 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 but you went out of your way in the, the, the spotlight of the game to talk about Odell Beckham and he made one nice play. So, hey, good for you. So that was a dog shit game, and they both played like crap. Yeah, Eli Manning was was atrocious. He single handedly tried to lose that game for them. They had yeah. it locked up because the Cowboys couldn't do anything after that first drive. Yet Eli kept trying to get here. Here's the ball back. Here it is again. Here's another terrible throw. Here it is. He, he really was trying to give it away, and that's why no one believes in the fucking New York Giants because they just they don't put it together for a full game ever it seems they, they get this here to get that there to get Odell Beckham for this game but then he wigs out the next week and they get the defense really playing well this week and they may may not show up next week it's really really difficult to tell and somebody some podcast I was listening to uh, pointed out the week 15 matchup of uh, Giants versus Lions that's that's the <laughs> That's the legitimacy bowl. I like the the name of that bowl because neither nobody believes in either one of those teams. Neither of those teams, despite their lofty records, really have a, a lot of people who think they're going to do much in the in the postseason. Yet there they are in great spots to be in the postseason. Detroit and they're both nine and four. And, and the Lions, I, I they do they do it again. I don't know how, but they they do it again. The, the Bears had them down and had them where they wanted them. And Matt Stafford busts his finger up and, and manages to win the game anyway. Uh, but yeah, one of those two teams has to win unless they tie. So that'll be, uh, it, it'll be a highlight game. It'll be a spotlight game. And yet it'll be a game that won't have a whole lot of, uh, I, I think there won't be a lot of breaking down of that game because no one knows what to make of either one of those teams really. Yeah. And in that Detroit Chicago game, uh, the Lions, I've I watched a lot of that game. Unfortunately, that was one of the early games because the other early game we got was Minnesota Jacksonville, and I didn't really I did I didn't really want to spend much time with either one of the early games. But you know, hey, I was home on a Sunday and I wanted to watch some football. Damn it! And uh, I watched a lot of that Detroit Chicago game, and the Lions were poised to just put the Bears away, completely just put the Bears away, put them to bed. The game was basically over. Lions are at the like four or five yard line and Matthew Stafford throws a pick and they, they were completely set to, to put that away. And then the ball gets all banged around in the end zone and the bears end up coming down with the pick. The bears then go all the way down the field and get the touchdown to take the lead. And then, you know, the lions are looking all down and out everything that their whole situation has flip flopped. And then they just, it's then then Matthew Stafford leads them on another fourth quarter drive I believe that's just about all their wins if not all their wins have been fourth quarter it's like they had to actually give up the lead 
and blow it in order to go and win the <laughs> to go and win the game. I think they'll. Did someone in the coaching staff, or did, did Matthew Stafford, or somebody in the offense go? Wait a minute, guys! It's the fourth quarter, and we're winning. We got to put an end to this right now. <laughs> this shit needs to we got to change that right now. Yeah, yeah. It's not, if if we're not don't. playing Lions football unless we're losing, you know, at the end of a game. Exactly. Lions football is not taking a lead and salting the game away against a lesser opponent. Lions football is rallying back after shitting the bed and finding a way to yeah. lose the lead. That's Lions football, baby. And they did it. But they, they 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 did it right right out of their playbook because had they gone in and, and scored that touchdown against the Bears, there wasn't a ton of time left in the game at that point. Um, and then they let Matt Matt Barkley looked okay in that game. I mean, I I guess if you make Matt Barkley look okay, you're not playing very well because he's Matt Barkley, and that's about the best you're going to get is okay. Exactly. The two games in which he's looked okay have been uh, what were the two secondaries with uh, Tennessee and now Detroit. Do you want either one of those secondaries like as a, a building block of a team? No. I mean, come on. People got to well, open their I, eyes t- when they. It, Tennessee, uh, you know, my lock of the week uh, to, to close you right. out, Tennessee Titans. Um, they they did exactly what I said they were going to do, and beat Denver um, and held them down. And it was it wasn't in stunning fashion. And I mean they got up early and just kind of clung to that lead with for dear life. But it you know even though Trevor Simeon threw for three hundred plus yards, they they held that team to ten, and uh, thankfully kept pace with Houston because I. I just I I don't want I don't want to see Houston in the playoffs. I'm, I'm tired of it. I want someone new. Uh, a lot of people feel that way. I want a new bad team in the NFC AFC South to go to the playoffs. I don't want Houston anymore. You can have them. I thought you're going to pull your Huey Lewis and go full circle, B- Berman. There, I thought you're going to go. I want a new drug. Um, oh. <laughs> so I'm sitting at work listening. This is the damnedest game I've ever listened to on the radio. I, I, this game, uh, the, the Broncos and the Titans, I've never heard, I wish I could say I'd never seen, but I didn't watch the game. I, I listened to it. I've never heard of a quarterback winning a football game who was so afraid to throw the football. I'm, I'm sure we can go back and find some really crappy quarterback performances. Chris Winkie obviously springs to mind immediately in, in yeah. winning situations. Uh, where he threw what six or seven pass attempts the entire game and won winning the game. Seven. seven that's the gold standard. So that's that's the that's the gold standard of it. But this I'm I this guy, Mariota, sounded like he was deathly afraid to throw the football. Like every time he was asked to drop back and scan the field to pass, first of all, he got great blocking, so he had 25 seconds to sit there and look through progressions. And then he just said, Fuck I I'm I'm not gonna let this go. And he just took you know, tucked the ball and ran and the next two plays it would hand off to a running back. And then he'd draw back again and go, I no, I'm not going to throw this one. And he tucks the ball and runs again. I've never heard of a, of a guy winning a game like that. And the reason he won a game like that partially is because the Broncos would turn around, get the ball and could not run to save their lives. If Devonte Booker has been awful, ever since C.J. Anderson got hurt. They signed Justin Forsett off the street to come in 
uh, to, to sort of provide some competition, he immediately fumbles the football. It's like, okay, this is just the worst. And Trevor Simeon is being made to look competent, speaking of quarterbacks who aren't that good looking competent, because he has to keep trying to lead comeback drives because he doesn't have anyone else on his offense to help him get a lead. He's always playing from behind. He's like the Lions, and he almost did it. He, Like you said, he put up a, a chunk of yardage, 350, but uh, and he was leading the drive at the end to, to come back. They put the Broncos in a terrible field position situation for the for a potential game-winning drive, and yet Simeon had started to make some some throws and was starting to move the ball, and like the seventh-string tight end, A.J. Derby, uh, caught a pass for a first down and immediately got stripped, and that's how Tennessee salted the game away. Six of 20 for 88 yards was Mariota's uh, uh, passing line, and that's the winner. And that's the cops. That's the winning quarterback. Six of twenty for eighty-eight yards. I, the Titans play the damnedest football games, man. I know it's different. I know it's fun, but they're they're so exacerbating. I'm I'm not quite sure what to make them, but they they did what you're supposed to do. They did. That's how you beat the Broncos: is run, 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 run it down their throat, run it some more. And and it was interesting how they would switch off DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. They were really mixing them in because from the outset, from the very beginning, the game plan was obvious. We're going to keep these running backs fresh because they're going to have a big workload. They're going to run it down your throat all day. And we're going to make sure that they have enough energy left to do it in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. And it worked. So Mike Malarkey does it again. Give them credit. They're seven and six. They're right there uh, in the in the hunt for a division championship. And uh, but God, they're just they're just weird. The Titans are just weird, man. So weird. congrats on your lack of the week. <laughs> hey, 180 yards rushing. Like you said, that's the way that you do it to them. I mean, Trevor Simeon for his 334 yard performance did fall on his face though in your favorite stat that 334 yards came on 51 attempts that's only a 6.5 yards per average uh yards per attempt that's not very good no it's not you know so basically he's just he compiled some stats (laughs) is basically what he did um he, he just was throwing because when your team has nine rushes for 18 yards, you generally lose the game. I, I, that's the recipe. Tennessee got out to that 13 nothing lead, and they just sat on it. And, you know, they, they really did put a lot of faith in that defense to bend and not break, and that's exactly what happened in the second half. And uh, maybe Tennessee got a little tight. Maybe, you know, maybe you had a little – maybe they got a little conservative. You know, this is not a team that – it's been a long time since the Titans have dealt with some prosperity. And you almost kind of wonder if that game goes into the second half and they're, they've got that 13 nothing lead, and then they watch that thing start to evaporate in the fourth quarter. And, you know, do, you know, you know everything starts to – start, you know, sphincters start getting a little tight, right? I mean, everybody starts to – That's right, Hawk. That's right. Everybody starts to, to clamp down, and you start wondering, oh, here come the – here come the defending champs, and somehow, some way, the Titans held on for that. And uh, yeah, I'll, hey, I'll take it. You know, I 
we when we when we differ on ten games and we each manage to win five, yeah, there we both we both had our moments <laughs> this week. That's the beauty. That's that's a, once again the beauty of it is now we can both claim geniusness uh, for what oh, yeah. happened with all those games that we disagreed on. That's right. So the raw numbers uh, put me with the Thursday night win uh, earlier in the week, gave me the victory for the week because of that game alone. Thank you, Kansas City Chiefs. So 10 and 6 for me and 9 and 7 for you uh, puts me for the season at 116, 84 and 8 for a 580 winning percentage. You heard that right. 580 this late in the season. I, I still can't believe what, what kind of year I'm having. You are squarely at 500 now at 100, 108, right down the middle, about as even as you can get. However, somehow, I can't get a lot to say in my life, and, and you keep racking them up. So you've officially clinched the, the, the locks championship, if there is one. I guess that would be like the, 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 television, cha- the television title if it was a wrestling league. Uh, so you have nine completed locks, correct locks on the year, and I'm still stuck at five. So no way to catch you in that. Um, so, of course, with our little points system for the playoffs, what that means is that you will automatically get an extra point to start the playoffs, no matter what our records happen to be at the end of the year. So you got that going for you. And I will, and I will definitely need that. Our guy Frank Schwab over at uh, Yahoo Shutdown Corner put us both to shame this week. 12-3-1. And the one was... new was he had New England minus seven, not six and a half. So therefore that ended in a push for him. So it could have been 13 and three. So he, he got off. Um, I think that bumped him over 500 for the season. I think he was under before that though. So, but Hey, he, he did it. He kicked ass this week. So good on him. Uh, it, it was a, uh, it was a compelling week of football, but it was, it was different. It was all those tight spreads. We talked about, uh, the Detroit Chicago spread was the biggest line of the week, but I was only seven. So everything else falling under that meant that it was going to be another week of, of some, some tight games, some potential coin flips where one play decides the, the point spread, one play decides the game altogether. And we certainly had a few of those. I was able to sneak out that bears cover. Um, like you yeah. said, Detroit could have salted it away on their end. Uh, before yeah. turning it over. And then the Bears could have salted the game away on their end if they could have just stopped Matthew Stafford, but they wound up covering anyway. Um, but back to the Giants-Cowboys uh, game for a second. You remember the original Tony Romo plan to get him back in the game? We're going to put this kid yeah. out here, Dak Prescott, until he has his first bad game, and then we can expect Jerry Jones and uh, – Jason Garrett to step in and say, all right, kid, that was good. That was a nice run you had. Now it's time to get the veteran back out there. He he never had a bad game. Dak Prescott wound up running off such an impressive winning streak, well, winning streak, and he never had a bad game. And he played so well that Tony Romo had to give his concession speech at three in the morning and, and bow out of the presidency. And now here's the one bad game from Dak Prescott. And, and what do I see when I turn on ESPN the next morning? All these people talking about should Tony Romo be made the starter? Should this be the end of the Dak Prescott experiment? I'm like, um, he had one bad game. He won how many games in a row before that? 11? Lost the game against the Giants in week one and won 11 straight. And now this one bad game against the Giants and it's time to bet. 
I'm not saying Dak Prescott is going to the Hall of Fame, but for fuck's sake, he had one bad game. It's, I need to stop watching ESPN in the next day after football games. I think that's the problem. That's on me. That's that's my fault. I need to stop watching stupid sports journalism when it's clear that the guy had one bad game and, and you don't throw away the 11 wins in a row that he had before that based off of one bad game. I don't know. I, I don't any intelligent critic that could be thinking that Tony Roman needs to be made the starter after that game. Uh, no, but I don't think it was just that one game. I think that the, and I'm looking at Dak Prescott's season here right now. Uh, Dak Prescott hasn't had a 200 yard passing game since November 20th. You know, so it's been four games back. Um, he, he, yeah, 180, 185 here against the Giants, 139 at Minnesota, and then against uh, Washington, 195. And the thing that you'll, the thing that you'll really see, um, is a lot of these. Uh, these last few games have also been very tight. Um, the Viking game was very tight. The Washington game that was a back and forth game, very tight. So. If it was just the one game, I would not understand any of the talk. But it's been this progression. So I understand the conversation. I'm not saying I agree with it. But I will say that seeing what I saw on Thursday night kind of felt familiar out of the Cowboys because Dak Prescott has not been playing the same way over the last few weeks as he was playing for that, the bulk of the beginning of that stretch of all those wins in a row for them. When they were, they were blowing teams out. He was putting up, you know, to give you some perspective up until that Washington game, which was the first of this three game stretch that we're talking about. Dak Prescott didn't have a game under 200 yards passing through that entire stretch. And, you know, basically he had what 17 touchdowns and two picks in that stretch, these last three games, three touchdowns, two picks. So he's basically throwing a touchdown a game, and then he had the two picks against the Giants. So not great either. So I get what you're saying, but I also see the other side. So I'm going a little devil's advocate here for you. I'm not saying, I don't think that the conversation for a team in that position, they're going to be the number one seed. The conversation is now, are they going to roll into the playoffs with this kid and make the change when it's possibly too late? Um, I, so I do understand the conversation. I, I, they, they are in a comfortable position where you can give him a little bit of rope. But, you know, if this continues, I could see them making a change. Oh, this is good. We're going to flip positions. We tend to get in comfort zones. So you you brought up the stats. You went to the numbers to try to justify perhaps uh, sitting Dak Prescott down and saying that he hasn't been as effective. And I'm not going to go to the stats. I'm going to go in my mind's eye, what I remember seeing out of his play all season long. And again, I'm not his biggest fan. I'm, you know, I don't think he's going to be a uh, an all pro, but from what they've done with him, what they tried to do was rely on the run game, rely on Zeke Elliott and 
only use Dak Prescott in the in the air when they have to, when they feel like they need to make some plays in the air. So I remember, and this is going back some weeks now, but I remember the Steelers game when they went in there and all the big throws that he had to make in a tight game, he made them. Um, I remember the Vikings game because that was a Thursday nighter. And I remember that they didn't play as a team all that well and still found a way to make the plays and make the throws and make the runs and have the Vikings not only defeated, but have the spread covered uh, before the Cowboys defense uh, just played that prevent, you know, prevent you from winning defense and just kept bending and bending and bending and let Bradford make that drive down the field to uh, get within two and cover the spread for, for the Vikings. Um, and in this game, this game was bad. The Giants game was bad. Um, that was a level of, of pressure. That was a level of heat being brought at him by the Giants defense that I don't know if he's seen in any game this year. The Giants were inspired. Uh, whatever one may think of the Giants and, and the Patriots, those two teams in prime time at home came out to play. I mean, they were seriously inspired and, and they were really getting after it, especially the Patriots last night with, you know, angry Tom Brady making uh, an appearance that he makes every now and then where he's spitting fire and cursing and throwing things and throwing a tantrum and acting like a bitch. And everyone says he's fiery and a leader because of the uh, color of his skin, quite frankly, but that's another story. Cause if Cam Newton was doing that, they wouldn't be saying that, but no, both those teams Cam came Newton out. does nothing. Wait, 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 that's because Cam Newton mopes. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't get yeah, fired. Cam Newton. Cam Newton gets stripped in the Super Bowl. Cam Newton gets stripped in the Super Bowl and just stands there looking at the ball like a dumbass. Guy ain't going after that shit. For, for who? For what? <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a whole different story. No, I, I I'm not a big fan of Tom Brady's antics either. Um, I I'm, I don't even. It, it looks fake to me, but. Yeah, I, I under, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he's a little contrived as well. I, I think he knows where the cameras are when he makes those those tantrums every time. Yeah. But, it, yeah, back to Prescott. I, get, I just see a team that brought him along very slowly, only used his arm sparingly, and really had the, the perfect way to bring him along and brought him to this point. And now here – at this point is when you get a team brings all sorts of pressure in its face and he doesn't handle it very well. And I guess I just feel like he's earned the right to have more than one bad start like that. The starts that he had before that where he was under 200 yards weren't good, but they were along the same game plan that I think they've been using all year with him, which is we don't have to have him attempt to throw for over 200 yards. We have this great running game and we're going to rely on that. Uh, and this game, they had the, the running game going, like I said, for one drive and kind of got shut down after that. And so they needed the arm and it didn't happen. It was just a, a great all around defensive effort by the Giants. Uh, but the, 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 to look at that game and to think that he needs to be sat down for Tony Romo now, I mean, I, to me, he has to get a defensive effort like that thrown in his face like three, four, five times in a row, and he shows that he can't handle the pressure uh, before you consider going to Tony Romo. One time in a row, to n no, that's just ridiculous to me. So I just, I, I didn't understand the uh, 
the whole concept. I thought when Romo made that concession speech that he put that stuff to bed. You know what I mean? I thought that's why he did it was to, so that every time Prescott has a, a bad throw, people aren't saying, oh, where's Tony? It's about time for Romo. Is he warming up yet? I thought he kind of put all that to bed with that speech, but apparently he, he hasn't. But no, I, like I said, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand it. Does if that make sense? Um, it does. It does. There you go. In, in my sort of backwards way of thinking here, I do understand after an effort like that because if you're, if, especially if you're a Cowboys fan or a coach or you're in the front office and you're thinking about what they're going to be needing, you know, it's great. This is a great regular season run that they're going on here, but they may end up needing to face the Seahawks or the Falcons or, you know, the Giants again. And, you know, are they comfortable with Dak Prescott winning in that situation where they've clearly been comfortable with him winning during the regular season and and then a lot of prosperity through the running game? You know, we, we, we talk about Ezekiel Elliott not getting touched until he's seven or eight yards downfield, which the stats actually bear out the amount of uh, giant running plays that that team just sort of piles up and they've just been doing the right thing with a rookie quarterback, playing it safe on offense, uh, very similar to the way the Steelers won that first Super Bowl with Roethlisberger, where they just did not let him do anything, if you remember, which led to the worst Super Bowl <laughs> of all time. Oh, uh, awesome. but, but, but Pittsburgh was doing everything defensively. They were, they were shielding Roethlisberger because Pittsburgh had – this was still the, you know, the great Pittsburgh – defenses i mean this was uh geez was that tomlin yet or was that still the end of cower oh right boy that, that it was, was real uh... close it was real close it was either right at the end of one or the beginning of the other because that would have been 2005 so that may have been that, that uh, was cowers first i think finally he broke through and got that first ring and then he yeah, call it quits a couple years later. Right, so right at the end of that, but that was still back in those days at the right in the Bill Cower era, and even through the beginning years of the Mike Tomlin era, Pittsburgh was defense. Dallas doesn't quite have that level of defense that they can hide their quarterback. Oh, no. What they have is the gigantic offensive line and the massive running game where they can hide their hide their quarterback, and where they've needed him. And where it was most impressive that they needed him, as you pointed out, was at Pittsburgh in that game. But Pittsburgh will give you that. <laughs> Pittsburgh's defense oh, yeah. is, is 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 terrible. Um, but there will come a moment, there will come a time where, you know, if if it's uh Seattle comes rolling into to to Texas and uh it's twenty one nothing Seahawks in the third quarter, we won't be seeing much more Dak Prescott. You think they go to the bullpen? I do. I do. I, when your whole season's on the line, I don't think you're worried about the the fragility of your quarterback's ego. Um, you're worried about winning the damn game, and uh, you know. So I'll ask you: Would would you know? Would Tony Romo have beaten the Giants from what we saw out of that team? What uh, Sunday night? You mean? Yeah. No. The Giants' defense came so? with a level that they have not played all year, all around. I mean, you from the up front from the front seven blitzing and stunning and getting after Prescott and following it up, backing it up with the, the defensive back play 
with Landon Collins knocking people out and uh, Janoris Jenkins on, on the ball, pretty much every throw anywhere near him, he was on that ball. He wasn't getting uh, fooled by any moves by any wide receivers. He was right there. Uh, just, it was an incredible defensive effort by the Giants, one that they really are not capable of doing all the time because they're not quite that good, but they got up for this one. Uh, no, Tony Romo wouldn't have won that game either. So I'll switch gears here on you because we, we we talk about players who we haven't given any credit to. This is I'm going to talk about a guy here who we've given a little bit of credit to this year, uh, you more than me. But I finally did watch play and and realize that with the level of incompetence <laughs> that this player has around them on offense, uh, that they are this man is making some throws into the tightest possible windows and operating with the slimmest possible margins to eke and squeak victory out. And that is Matthew Stafford. I watched him against that not very good Bears team. And if he, ha- I mean, his his wide receivers get no separation. These guys get yeah. nothing. I mean, and he is throwing the ball. He is literally on every throw having to thread a needle. And his margins are so slim for error. And that's why you do see a pick here or there or a ball that gets batted in the air and then, you know, something bad happens. And it's really hard to put these on Matthew Stafford, but, I mean, he is playing quarterback at a level that is, you know, pretty damn close to top of the league from what I've seen. He's not throwing to wide open guys. He is throwing to guys that are in traffic and blanketed pretty much at all times and still completing balls. I had to say I was very impressed with the play um, of Matthew Stafford not having that number one receiver anymore, having to spread the ball around and having no running game. Yeah, that's the thing. Not only show me what quarterback would have a lot of success or get a team to nine and four with a, a top three wide receiver core of Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Anquan Bolden. Yeah. But on top of that, he's got no help behind him as, as far as tailback goes. He's got uh, uh, Theo Riddick, I think, missed this game. He's And, and he's not even really a, a good between the tackles running back, he's much better as a, like a pass catcher or someone stretching the field. Um, Zach Zinner, uh, Dwayne Washington. Who the fuck are these guys? He's got nothing. Uh, he's got no assistance, really. It's Matthew Stafford and the world uh, against the world. And it, it, I've heard some MVP chatter for him with all the, the incredible stuff that Tom Brady's doing, with what Matt Ryan's doing, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. Matthew Stafford is is up in there as far as guys who have shown value for their team that would be uh, incredible if they had somebody else at quarterback. It, they wouldn't be anywhere near nine and four. They would be potentially four and nine uh, with, with somebody else in there. But yeah, Stafford's become an all around quarterback. Uh, and at at an advanced age, he had to do it now. I think he's 30, 31 years old. He couldn't rely on on throwing to Megatron anymore. He had to find another way to win football games, and and he's doing it. He's doing it by staying calm. He's doing it by getting to that fourth quarter and and sort of turning that switch on and going, okay, I got to find – 
I got to find guys. I got to find whoever I can find to, to get this comeback win, whoever that might be. And if nobody's open, I'll just run it in my damn self with me and my busted, mangled, deformed finger. Uh, if that's what it, if that's what it takes, if that takes me sticking my neck in there and getting it done, then I'll get it done myself. So uh, ESPN had a, a montage of Matthew Stafford's scrambles this year. It was beautiful because it's so ugly because he's no running quarterback. He's no Aaron Rodgers. He's no Steve Young. He's nothing anywhere near that. It was so damn ugly, and yet it was beautiful because it was effective. It, it gets yards. It wins games. His helmet gets knocked off a lot. His head's getting bounced around, uh, but but he just keeps getting it done. He is a gamer. Uh, he doesn't take out his his penis and send it on a cell phone to Jen Sturger, but he's a gamer too. You you don't have to be a gunslinger like Brett Favre to be a gamer. Matthew Stafford is a gamer. He's having a hell of a season. I still don't know what to make of that team long-term, not even close. I'm not going to try to make any predictions, but yeah, Matt Stafford is, is doing something this year that that's actually in a, in a very sublime way, pretty special. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I would, I wouldn't have him, Oh, I'd have a hard time having him anywhere above fourth in MVP right now. Um, you know, after basically that, that mix for me, that would be uh, Brady, Ryan, and I would say Ezekiel Elliott, um, who is, you know, running free, but that's, hey, sometimes that's what you need. Uh, we, we talked about Matt Ryan. Uh, both having Atlanta, one of the games that we agreed on, both having Atlanta going in there. We did not have Atlanta going in there and ending Jeff Fisher's career <laughs> as the coach of the L.A. Rams after he just got the extension. Uh, so clearly, <laughs> so clearly Jeff Fisher uh, did not have pictures. Uh, what he didn't have was coaching skill or a team uh, this time around. But we, we joked about how Matt Ryan was going to sling the ball all over the building to guys you've never heard of, here oh, yeah. are the nine that nine guys had guys had balls thrown at them in this game. Oh, I screwed up. I said it was going to be ten. It was only nine. I fucked up. My it bad. It was nine. Here they are: Taylor Gabriel, who we know, who we highlighted a few weeks ago on the show, and then of course has the big the big play of the game, the sixty four yard touchdown. Ninety eight percent of the fans don't know who that is, yeah. but yeah, we the great Nick Williams. Yeah. Nick Williams, yeah, the great Aldrich Robinson. These are guys catching balls, being productive for that Falcons offense in a forty-two to fourteen win. Uh, Tevin Coleman, who we do know, sure you're not reading the phone book. Levine Devontae Freeman, who okay, so we got the two running backs in there. Justin Hardy, is he a wrestler? I thought he was a wrestler. Matt and Jeff's long lost brother, yes. Yeah. The great Austin Hooper and Patrick DeMarco, the fullback, uh, who had the ball thrown his way one time but didn't catch it. Um, Matt Ryan made those guys look good. <laughs> I know they're only eight well, and five, but he, he definitely does deserve some share of his MVP votes this year because he is playing next level quarterback this year. The Los Angeles Rams will let you look like that, and that's exactly why we picked Atlanta. And 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 we knew, we knew, even if Julio Jones started and was a decoy, we knew this is what Matt Ryan was going to do. Uh, we that, yeah, we didn't know that was going to get Jeff Fisher fired immediately after that. So that that's what everyone thought of the of the uh, two year extension and the job security that he was so yeah. secretive 
and hiding and, and so protective to take care. And it's not anyone else's business. This is just business as usual. It's what we do. And that's what I, I felt was, was correct was to not tell anybody about it because I'm Jeff Fisher and I'm smarter and above everybody else. And that's what Jeff Fisher and the LA Rams. So. So much for that. Sorry, Jeff. So long. See you later. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Yeah, see, I, I he'll be a college coach next year. That, that's my prediction. Some 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 college team will scoop him up. Hmm, that's an interesting call. I don't know if he's he I, he strikes me as the type that has an ego too big to be a college coach. I think he's a he thinks he's oh. above that. Well, doesn't he get paid for the next two years? He get, exactly. He doesn't he get a have to do anything. Extension. Sit around and jack off for the next two years. They have to do anything. Maybe he did have pictures. That sounds like hush money. (laughs) They're paying. They announced the contract extension because it was hush money. Yeah, no kidding. He'll be sitting on the couch with Steve McNair. Oh, see, that's not necessary. Oh, that's just unnecessary. That that you don't have to say stuff like. Anytime I think of sitting on the couch, I can't. I can't help. And those two guys are late. You don't have to. We have to. Can we get editing in here? Can we? Can we? Do we have an, an eight second delay? Can we get that completely erased? Like we we can't let that go to air. That's just that's just wrong. We're scrubbing that's wrong even for us. Yes, we're we're erasing oh, this from the show. Strike the the statement from the show. What do they do on Law and Order? Uh, the the jury will yes. disregard that statement. You, we, we pretend like we didn't hear that. Uh, Fourteen minutes left in our live show, folks, uh, and so much that we still have have yet to get to. Um, what did you think of the Patriots on Monday night with Angry Tom? Because that was a the, an inspired effort that they put forth. Like, it's like they we're trying to send a message that the Ravens are, are not on our level or something. It's they, they were, it seemed like every play that they played, they were trying to make it like the greatest play ever. Like the, the execution and the, the amount of effort put forth is that they, they really went out, went out of their way on prime time to, to show something special. I think maybe they were starting to hear a lot of that talk around the league. Well, there's no real favorite this year in the NFL. Everyone is kind of coming back to the pack and the Patriots without Gronk are going to fall down and they've been mediocre lately. I think they kind of took some of that to heart, especially Tom Brady. They did, but if I, I did find, well, okay. If we would have had a drinking game last night for every time John Gruden said the Patriot way, Ooh. We'd be dead. We'd be dead. <laughs> we wouldn't be drunk. We'd have so much alcohol in our bodies, we would have died. John Gruden. Acute alcohol poisoning. I, I, I was having a hard time understanding John Gruden because his mouth was so full <laughs> last night. That was terrible. Oh, my. I, 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 I think I heard that in my sleep. That's the Patriot way. Oh. God, just shut up. Kill me. Um, un- unfortunately, the Patriot way also includes horrible special teams play. Oh, my God. They, that, Which again, trying to, give almost, a, trying to give a win away, they, like Eli Manning. Almost, almost completely gave it right back to the Ravens until the Ravens just decided not to cover anybody in the secondary on that, on that yeah. touchdown pass to Chris Hogan. That was some Bears defense right there. Some cover zero. It's just two guys looking at each other, pointing at each other, going, wait, I thought you had it. 
No, I thought you had him. What? I didn't have him. It was so. It was yeah. almost. It was almost perfect that play because it came after all these different uh, offensive uh, arrangements and and uh, different packages and and different angles that they were. Th- they just come right back with that play and say, "Okay, Hogan, line up on the on the on the seam and run straight." <laughs> And yeah. the Ravens couldn't run stop by it. everybody. It's the last <laughs> thing they'll expect. Exactly. It wasn't even a play action. Brady just was in the shotgun, took the snap, dropped back a couple steps, and threw it over everyone's head down the seam to Chris Hogan, who did not make a, a cut, a juke, a move, a stutter, nothing. He just started running at the snap and ran as fast as he could straight ahead, and nobody could stop him. And that play is why the Patriots covered the spread and won that pick for me. And it's beautiful in its in its simplicity. Yeah. But, yeah, the, I would, the Ravens I, showed something neither, with their comeback, though. Yeah. Neither one of us have the time to do it right now, but I would love to know what your record is this year <laughs> in games within a point of the point spread. Because it, you've got to have, like – you. The only way you get to 580 is by having a ridiculous record in stuff like that, where you're just on the right side, it seems like, every time of these half point and, you know, and, and one point spreads. And that, that's that's not geniusness. I, I don't want to break it to you. And that, that, that's not geniusness. It's not? That's not repeatable? I won't, I won't go 580 I I next year? I, I don't think that you were feeling too good when that game was uh, – you know, twenty three twenty. I don't think you were feeling that great. No, I was feeling great in the first half, and then I saw yeah. everyone kick the ball around on special teams, and the Ravens go right into the end zone twice, and I, and my mouth has dropped. Like, what just happened? Wait, what just? Happened? The Patriots are clearly playing better than the Ravens in, in every facet, and I look up and they're trying to lose the game, not just lose the uh, the yeah. spread. But, uh, yeah, the Ravens get credit for not withering. I, I think they showed a little bit of, of something to, to keep an eye on as the playoffs approach. Again, they play for John Harbaugh. They always play for John Harbaugh no matter what. And they were being clearly outclassed by the Patriots and still decided to keep playing and hang around and were right there. And, and if not for Chris Hogan getting left completely open, uh, they would have covered the spread and had a chance to win the game. But – on the other hand, the Patriots showed something by answering that challenge. So they both showed something as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, I don't know if the Patriots can turn in uh, an effort just physically quite that intense. They acted like they were trying to win that game by 100 points. And that, that takes a lot out of you. So we'll, we'll see if they can keep that up. But uh, they're not withering at the moment. Everyone said they were going to wither after the, uh, the Gronkowski injury. Uh, at the moment, they, they're looking pretty strong. Yeah, that was a that was a good spot. They're they're on their way to securing the bye and the home field advantage and and all the good things that come with that. Um, so so we'll see. I mean, this was probably their toughest remaining test. Let me just take a quick take a quick peek here. But I don't think they. I know they have a lot of divisional games, and if that you know, if that's the case, you don't got a lot to worry about if you're New England. Uh, they've got. Denver. They'll be at Denver Sunday. At Denver, yeah. I mean, that the only thing that could do is get somebody hurt, yeah. because we know that Denver loves Tom Brady. They love. I want a triple team Von Miller. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> then you've got then they've got the Jets in Miami. So okay, at Miami even. Um, so yeah, there's there's a little bit of peril ahead here for them, but I think they've got the I think they've got the smooth sailing. Uh, real quick, while we still have the live portion of our audience listening, all two of you. Uh, show page listening live blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail to listen to this show as a podcast which you'll get this live show and an after show as well you can subscribe on itunes or tune in or mixcloud or blubbery or player.fm just search for in much less detail the podcast communicate with this show via twitter i'm at imld dre jason is at imld jtg or send us an email you would send that to in much less detail at gmail.com and our picks are always up on the blog, and our blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Uh, week 14 recap. Uh, I definitely want to get your thoughts live on the air on your pack, who beat the living hell out of Russ Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Five INTs for Russ in his return to Wisconsin. And Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers didn't seem to be affected by all that weather up there. So one guy apparently was, and one guy wasn't. Uh, is the pack back? They certainly look like it. Well, they were back for one game. I mean, that was, I won't say probably, that was the best game that they've played this year. I mean, that was the most complete game. I mean, if this is, if this is the start for them, I mean, hey, maybe they're maybe they're pulling a Seattle and just sort of like you know moseying their way through the year, uh, like like sleepwalking almost, and they're just going to start getting their act together because they're like, hey, wait a minute, we might not make the playoffs, guys. Hey, this can't happen. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to go this far. And then you know <laughs> there they all all of a sudden it was seemed like as soon as Aaron Rodgers threw that sixty six yard touchdown to Devontae Adams. That sort of set the tone for the game. And the Seahawks, uh, you know, that we will say one thing about the Seahawks. They do like to front run. I mean, what team doesn't like to front run? But Seattle's set up to get the lead and pound you, you know, run the ball down your throats and get after you and play a ton of defense. And, you know, and Russell Wilson just played, like, terrible. I mean, he played a horrible game. I mean – Everybody has these. Everybody has games like this. But and he picked a really bad spot to have a five INT game and look lost for most of the time. I mean, and, and even the balls that he was throwing to guys, he threw one um up the sideline that bounced off a dude's face and ended up being a pick. <laughs> How do you blame that on Russell Wilson? The guy goes up for the catch. The ball goes through his hands, hits him in the helmet, right on the face, and then pops up in the air. And the Packer player, who wasn't even like wasn't even playing good coverage, just has the ball like drop into his lap. Um, what do you do? You just know it's not your day at the office. It's a picnic basket. When when you're having that kind of a day at the office, you just know things aren't going to go your way. You chalk that one up. I don't think that this is the what's wrong with Seattle or old Green Bay's back as as much though as we have sort of bagged on Green Bay this year. They're still seven and six. I mean they they could go on a little run here. I don't they as well don't have the most difficult schedule remaining in the league. Um they've got all three games here as divisional games. So they've got 
the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, they could very easily run those three, get their 10, and sneak into the playoffs. If sure. they play if they play to the level that they've been showing these last few games. Because don't forget, this, this this the Houston game was tricky because Houston, it was another snow game. That was a snow game, big time. And Houston hung around in that game way more than they should have. But then you go back to the week previous, and the Packers went into uh, Philly and, and ripped them pretty good. So that's two yeah. out of the last three wins for the Packers where they've looked pretty impressive. And by far and away, though, this was the most impressive of the three. And but why well, I still group them together because it's three games in a row that Aaron Rodgers didn't look like the most frustrating quarterback in all of football. He actually looked like he knew what he was doing and played very well. Uh, I mean, because his receivers still aren't getting that much separation, although uh, Devontae Adams did get free for that one big one. But it's all about Aaron Rodgers to me. He's playing much, much better. Uh, he had this hamstring injury that he came into the game with. He looked like he injured a calf during this game, but that might be a good thing. It, it's a weird little uh, sort of in the middle that there's an Aaron Rodgers lower body injury from what I've observed of him over the years. If it's too, if it's bad, if it's a bad ankle thing, like, like he had uh, going into playoffs a couple of years ago, then that can put the Packers in a really bad predicament and they can lose a, a playoff run because of it. But if it's sort of in between, then it'll stop him from maybe dancing around too much and, and running away from uh, pass rushes that aren't there and seeing ghosts. And maybe that's a good thing. Cause that's what he seems like he's played like is he's not dancing around in the pocket as much because he's hurt and he's actually able to stand there and, have a, an actual base under him and let these throws go with the, with the power and the, and the release that he's able to do. And so maybe this is a good thing that he's a little banged up. Maybe this will keep him playing well and playing within himself. Cause that's been his big problem is, is dancing around too much as far as I'm concerned. And as far as the, the Seahawks go, I think it just shows once again uh, with another road clunker, it shows how imperative it is for them to get home field advantage for all of the playoff games. If it's possible Otherwise, if they have to go on a road somewhere, they're going to be at a, at a disadvantage. They just don't play as well on the road as they do at home for whatever reason. And I mean, every team sort of plays worse on the road, but they're they're really pronounced how bad they are on the road. And they showed it once again on Sunday. It's funny. You actually got to the point that I was going to make before I got to make it. And that is that Aaron Rodgers getting hurt was a good thing. But I don't ah. because he basically gets the happy feet and runs himself into sacks and, and, and will check himself out of obvious plus plays looking for something bigger. And it, it's almost like, hey, I, I'm a little banged up and I don't want to be more banged up. So maybe I should just stick to the damn play that was called and get the ball out. And what a concept. Amazing. What a concept. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing that most of this year. And I know we've talked about it. We haven't talked about it a ton. But that's been a lot of the – when we do talk about Green Bay, that's been a lot of the rumbling has been about Aaron Rodgers sort of maybe doing a little bit too much freelancing. You know, I had talked about it earlier in the year where it seemed like the Packers' offense was was going to sputter because it was all this gimmick stuff that Rodgers tries to do. Basically, like he was so preoccupied with catching the other team with 12 guys on the field or getting the other team to jump on the hard count 
that if one of those two things didn't happen where he just got all these free plays, they didn't know what to do. I mean, so he's up there doing the hard count. It's like, oh, crap, I'm not going to get a free play on this. I have to run an actual play. And then he would just dance around in the pocket. And, you know, guys are running wide open down the field. And he's just hopping around and trying to throw with all these funny angles. And it didn't seem to be going that way against Seattle because he didn't have that. And it was almost like he's better as just a stand-up, in-the-pocket, statue-type quarterback. You know, plenty of those guys had fruitful NFL careers. So, you know, Aaron, it's okay to stand back there and pick the defense apart. (laughs) You don't have to dance around on one foot and throw the ball 60 yards in the air every time. Mike McCarthy's probably saying that exact same thing to him like all the time, every day. Um, I think maybe for the first time in a long time or maybe ever, we're not going to get this live pick for uh, the Thursday night game during the live portion. It's okay because no one listens live, as we already know. And this is not exactly a compelling game. Not in the least. Uh, so here it is for anybody listening to the podcast after the uh, the the live show is over. For the Seattle Seahawks, who are not on the road this time, now they're back at home, and they get to host the Los Angeles Rams and their whoever their interim coach is, the Jeff Fisherless L.A. Rams. But hey, L.A. always plays division games well. They play the Seahawks tough. They've won the last three games against Seattle. The Rams, what do you think? 15-point underdogs at the Seahawks. Are you going to take them? Jason, who's your pick? I am not going to take the Uh-oh. Rams because, you know what? That streak ended with Jeff Fisher getting fired. Uh. That's what I think. Jeff Fisher is out of town. This team is a mess. And Seattle, once again, you get to go home and get a, get, get a team, a really bad team after oh, a bad road time loss. To get right. It's time to get right. (laughs) Seattle just loves their get right games. Uh, I am going to take Seattle in this game 24 to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't argue any part part of that. Uh, Oh, and it's my lock of the week because it doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course, because you've already got that locked up. Uh, I was trying to goad you into to going the other way. Um, the, you know, the Rams, they always play the Seahawks. Up, but yeah, that, that was a Jeff Fisher thing, right? So that, that's going to come to an end now with, with Jared Goff and uh, whoever the interim coach is or what have you. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't oh, matter. It's the Jim the week Fossil. It's Jim no, it's Fossil. His, that's... It's this kid, John. It's not even him. Oh, uh, I thought it was Jim Fossil because I was going to make a joke that it was spelled (laughs) F-O-S-S-I-L. That would have been a good one. but uh, Thank you. But no, it's not not Jim. It's it's actually his son, John. But... uh, and Roto World didn't treat him very well with their description of him. They said, not only is it not Jim Fossil, but he hasn't even distinguished himself much as a special teams coach. So they don't think much of him, no matter you know how you slice it. He did. Maybe oh, his wait, father is. All right. He's a special teams coach. He's going to lose 24 to three. There you go. <laughs> Which would then put it uh, in the same point spread of uh, of my pick. 
because I've got them losing. Uh, uh, no, I had them getting three as well, but I, I have Seattle getting to thirty, not not twenty-four. Um, but yeah, since the lock of the week doesn't matter, I had this game locked up as well, so I could do the double lock for us. Because it doesn't matter, because you already had the locks locked up. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you all the way with that one. Uh, that, yeah, that's the game that no one should have waited to to hear our pick because it didn't matter at all because it's the Rams and the Seahawks. Yeah, Fifteen is that? I think that's the biggest spread of the year. I don't think we've seen a, a spread that big. Yeah, it uh, might be. I, I know. Uh, was, I made the mistake today. I was scanning. Uh, I hadn't been on Facebook in weeks, and uh, I was. <laughs> I'm looking, and somebody was talking on there about the, the how poor quality of play we're seeing in the NFL. Because oh my God, there is a a 15 point spread, and, and and does this happen? And I'm thinking like, yeah, this happens all the time. It's actually a testament to how bad and close everything is this year that we haven't had more giant point spreads. I mean, we we I still remember we had the 21 point spread. <laughs> in the perfect, it, almost perfect Patriots season uh, with them in Miami, uh, that was a 21. I think that's the biggest one that we have may, maybe ever seen um, as long as we've been doing this. I know there have been a lot of high teens, but, yeah, that was the one that we had that was the 21. Um, that person complaining about I think it was 21 and a half because they ended up winning by 21. I remember getting the cheapest cover of all time. Yes, I think it's what I believe was a what was I believe was a forty nine twenty eight win or forty five was the other way. I think the spread was twenty and a half, and you took New England, and they won by twenty one. Oh, okay, and they won by twenty one. But all I know is it was one of the cheapest covers we've ever had. uh, Was in that game because we were talking about the the, yeah. I think you're right. It was a twenty and a half point spread, and that the Patriots. it almost garbage timed it to get that <laughs> touchdown. Where, where's that bad. magic? I need some of that magic. I need to. I need to harness some of that. Now, there's still three weeks left. There's still a long. There's still a lot of time left for you to crash and burn, my friend. I'm 16 games clear of you, so I, I want to see if I can finish double digit. Uh, games ahead as the playoffs start. That's all I'm aiming for. I don't have to keep this this lead necessarily, but if I can only keep it to losing like one game, like I lost one game to you. Uh, uh, no, we split. I, I gained a game on you. But if uh, that New England Baltimore game turns around, if Chris Hogan doesn't get wide open, then I would lose one game to you this week. But that would be fine. The lead is big enough. Where I could lose one game to you. I just don't want to lose multiple chunks. You know, big chunk plays. I don't right. want to be like the the Raiders giving up big chunk plays. Uh, you don't the guy want me to pick up, up like you want me to pick up four games a week for the next three weeks. <laughs> the next thing you know, that would not be good. We're, we're, the, 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 no, the sphincter would be tightening. <laughs> that would be great for me. Stone pony, don't get that tight. By your, by your points, by your points right now, you're going into the playoffs with like a 15 or a 16 point lead. So, no pressure. No pressure. That guy writing about the point spread being so big and that shows up. But where where was this idiot last week when the biggest spread of the week was seven? Where was he then? Tell me about tell me about the spreads at that point. Uh, now, before, the week before that, it was uh, thirteen and a half with the Patriots against the Rams. Uh, but, but the week before that, it was only nine. 
and that was because of Andrew Luck's injury. The Steelers were favored by nine at Indy. I also wouldn't wouldn't have even been that high. Uh, so no, that's that's a, a false statement. That's that's some of that false news that we've been hearing about. And yeah. no, that's it, oh, it's not God. that bad. <laughs> Fake news. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I if anyone's followed what I've been saying on this show when we do talk about anything like that the last few years, it's all fake news. <laughs> well, some of it a lot more no fake real, than others. There's no real. There's no real news. There's there's just less fake and fake. That's what <laughs> the real news. Oh, the real news. Yeah. I, okay. The real news. Got it. Uh, so other games that we hadn't gotten to this week, I, I need to offer my deepest apologies to everybody for uh, being the tout master and telling you that the bit, the best bet of the week wasn't even my lock, uh, but the Minnesota Jacksonville under, because they actually put up 41 points and the over under, I believe was 39. So it not, even that oh. didn't work out for me. I wanted to take out money and bet that under, I was so sure of it. And they actually then, managed to put up a, yeah, I'm glad you didn't say that on air because I know I would have been like, oh, that's guaranteed to fail. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was. But I felt so confident about that. And they, it, it was still an ugly-ass game. Uh, but they just happened to put just enough points. I saw way more of that game than I needed to see. It was yeah. it was bad. It was It was not good football. On, on either side. I mean, Jacksonville w- was pretty game. I mean, Minnesota does not impress at all. Um, you know, since that five and zero start, they, they've had a couple, a couple, you know, nice one, nice little games here, but usually because they're they're scoring other than offensively. Um, but you know, you're going into the fourth quarter of that game, and the Jaguars are winning that game going into the fourth quarter and then the Vikings get uh, two touchdowns in the two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to kind of seal that thing away. But yeah, Jacksonville, they, they were right there. You know, they, 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 they ran the ball better, which isn't saying much because Minnesota's running game is uh, it's bad. The worst. It's the worst in the it's league. It's bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they they were Jacksonville. They're they're bad, and you know I, I I they're the team I've been the happiest that they've been bad, um, because I remember openly laughing at our football fan rush uh, counterparts when it was brought up whether Jacksonville was going to be one of those, you know, risers this year. Would they be a playoff team? And I actually just like pulled out the gut busting. <laughs> belly laugh on the show uh not, not meant to be in a disrespectful way it was just one of those if i had water in my mouth i would have spit it all over the place when i heard that that would have been a spit it was just like what what that's just you know and i think i even said that that's just people saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff we might as well just say anybody could make the playoffs because no. and here they are two and eleven yeah, they're about as bad as the the Cleveland Browns. Well, maybe, man, maybe they're not that bad. I don't know, but but they're all oh, the Cleveland Browns. Oh my poor, poor Cleveland Browns. I took them as a lock. I said it's the the Bengals, 
there at home. You tried. We both both had the brown fever. And what do the Browns do with that situation? They pull out Robert Griffin III, coming back after he hasn't played for 35 weeks. RG3, in his own end zone, on a flea flicker, into triple coverage for an interception. That is the Cleveland Browns. That is the quintessential Cleveland Browns. I absolutely cannot believe that. That sums up their season completely. Can I nominate that for your uh, the crappiest plays of the year or whatever your, your category is? That's got to be right. They're oh. in their own <laughs> end zone. The fuck yeah, are you there doing was a- with a flea flicker in your own end zone? I, I know I already had a worst play of the year contender. Um, but at the moment, I, I'm, I can't remember which one it was. It was one of those where it's like, I know what it is, and it's kind of escaped me for the moment, and then I'll revisit this uh, when it comes time because it's it's, it's late. But I, uh, right. yeah. You know, we, I remember it, it was a couple of weeks ago, but but I don't remember it either at the moment. Right, it was recently. Yeah, it was within the, the last few weeks. But it, it, it was it, bad. Said on the show, that's it. There it is. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the show just so I can remember now what the worst play of the it year was is. Over, I'm sure. But I know it did make it to air uh, because it was yep. one of those that was just—it was bad. It was bad. Yep. Uh, now this may be the worst uh, play call of the year. Uh, I don't, <laughs> which I haven't decided if I'm gonna. I'm going to split that up into two awards after you after the surprise upset last year of the Colts fake field goal, um, losing out to the Kirk Cousins kneel down right before halftime. <laughs> um, boy, there's just so much. There's just so much you can't. You almost have to watch every game to come up with some of this. But you know, some every once in a while you see something that's just so dumb. That it immediately gets consideration. So you are submitting for my consideration. Taking a quarterback R- 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 that hasn't played forever in his own end zone on an 0-12 team, desperate to get any momentum going, calling a flea flicker, which he didn't have to throw it, but he decides to throw anyway because that's the play call. And there were three defenders standing there and one receiver, and, and of course it didn't work out for the Browns. Yeah. <sighs> not not good, huh? <laughs> the, the worst. The worst. Maybe if you see the highlight, maybe if you go on NFL.com and, and go to that game and see that, that might make it your worst play of the year. Once you actually see it and actually watch it happen, your mouth drops like, oh my God, what are they doing? What? The? It, it was just, it was awful. It's, it, this is really disappointing for Hugh Jackson, and, and maybe I'm showing my bias by pointing out the two black coaches. It's so uh, hard for black coaches to get traction in the NFL. But for Hugh Jackson to be so good as an offensive mind for the Bengals all those many years and to get this chance with the Browns and his offenses are just so there and and not really doing what they're supposed to do. And they had some some moments earlier in the year with, with Jake McCrown and uh, even – Cody Kessler was a little better than I thought he would be. And Terrell Pryor has been a revelation at wide receiver. 
But even still, with all of that, it's so disappointing uh, how that offense has not done what it's supposed to do. And then on the other side, uh, with the New York Jets and Todd Bowles and how terrible that defense has been, uh, even though they came back and got the win over the 49ers in the worst game of the year. Um, but they, they, they quit on Todd Bowles a couple weeks ago against, uh, against the Colts. And I, that was his calling card. Was he had such great defenses in Arizona that we admired the last couple of years. And he gets his shot with the Jets and, and looks like complete crap. Both of those coaches have really not much of an argument if they get canned after one year, both of them. I don't hope, I don't think either one will, and I really hope they don't. But if they do, they've earned it because both those teams have pretty much shown on the field that they don't really play for their coach at all. It's not like John Harbaugh with the Ravens. It's the exact opposite. These teams are not playing for their coach whatsoever. And if they both get canned after one year, it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, but it's just disappointing to see because they were so good as assistants and, and so bad so far as head coaches. Yeah, but, you know, it always kind of train wrecks this way. You know, I mean, things go bad for a team. It takes a lot of things to be kind of lumped together to create something this awful. You have to fail at every level. It's not just players or coaches. It's the organization. It's everything when you have failure like this. And for all we know, maybe maybe Hugh Jackson's a good coach. Maybe he could leave there and go someplace else and and do a good job. But you you put something like this up on your resume, you may never find out. Yes. He'll he'll, he'll be OC in... He'll be he'll be OC in somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I also tell about wrong. it this way. They've also lost they lost every preseason game too. <laughs> no one will remember that, way, but the yeah, they've lost every game they've professionally played <laughs> in twenty sixteen. Uh, they even lost all four of their preseason games. They have lost. Ever. This isn't even like the Lions. The Lions won all four. The Lions won every games. preseason game, right? And then that was because that was the sort of interesting stat that season was that the Lions went zero and sixteen. Did you know the Lions won every preseason game? No, the the, the the Cleveland Browns are on their way to losing it all. They have got boy, that's hard to do. At Buffalo, they host the Chargers, and you would think on Christmas Eve. Hosting the Chargers, that could be the one. If there's one left out of at Buffalo, home date against the Chargers, and at Pittsburgh, if there's one left out of those three, do we agree that that's the one? I don't know. If uh, there is. Wouldn't it be just like just the so hard Rex Ryan to lose to them? <laughs> it, would, it would. It very may well be. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Then, then um, you know, coaches don't. The Buffalo won't fire their coach in season if he loses to the Browns. <laughs> that he might, might be do it. <laughs> that might be what it takes. I also touted the wrong running back uh, to run crazy in the snow in Buffalo. I touted uh, Lashawn McCoy to do it, and instead it was Le'Veon Bell who just went that all out. sorts of crazy. I'm glad you pointed that out. You tried to be me, you know. You tried to harken back to some distant memory and, and had that inform your pick. 
instead of yes. looking at the fact that the, the Bills aren't as good as the Steelers. Well, I but I combined it with the Bills are the number one and still are after that game, the number one running offense in football. That's what they do. They can't throw. They're the last throwing team in, in football. They're DFL in passing, and they're number one in running. I thought they would get on LaShawn McCoy and just run, 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 and try to win that way. And instead, 240 yards as a team rushing for the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell going crazy. Uh, I did not see that coming at all. But again, Todd Haley and and the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, they've been I've been impressed by their flexibility because there's a there's a, the Giants game a couple of weeks ago, and then there's this game where they don't have Big Ben just tear his arm to shreds trying to throw all over the place they have that in their rep repertoire they know they can go to that if they need it but in games like this with the weather and against the giants where they just kind of put them to sleep they put a sleeper hold on them with Le'Veon bell uh they know they got this great all-around running back it's him and david johnson are one in one a for best all-around back in football and they're flexible now they they'll go to that and they'll rely on that instead of having Ben tear his arm up trying to throw all the time and getting hit by pass rushers, Ben took the day off, basically. He didn't have to do much of anything because Le'Veon Bell was destroying them. And that's that's a good thing for the Steelers. That's, that's good that they've learned that flexibility. That might serve them very well going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they're clearly in the driving – they're in the driver's seat right now in that division. Um, because didn't you know, I mean, it sounded like last night during the, did you, how much of that New England Baltimore game did you watch last night? Did you watch the whole game? Pretty much all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I watched, I watched a massive chunk of the game and wouldn't you know, when things were looking pretty bleak for the Ravens, the way those announcers were talking, it was like that their season was over. Like if Baltimore loses, if they, they go to seven and six, it's forget it. The playoffs are shot. They it's like a playoff game for them, and their playoff dreams are being dashed by the Patriots. And uh, Baltimore is still very much in the mix for the playoffs. They're still very much in the mix to win the division. So I didn't quite understand what that was all about um, at all. Baltimore still has a game against the Steelers left. Baltimore is also undefeated in the division, so they clearly have the leg up over the uh, Pittsburgh, who's only 2-1 and one in the division right now. So Baltimore very much is still in the mix for the playoffs, but you wouldn't have known that if you were uh, if you had heard that underneath all of the gurgling sounds that John Gruden was making <laughs> when uh, when talking about the Patriot way last night. The other, the only other narrative that they seemed to have was that the Ravens were basically playing a winner, winner go home style game, which I didn't get. As for the Steelers. Yeah, I was watching it, but I wasn't paying much attention to the, uh, to the announcing. It was bad. It was bad. The Steelers. That's yeah, why it, I wasn't paying attention. In, inconsistent. I mean, the, both the Steelers and the Ravens seem to have this like win, win a bunch, lose a bunch thing going on. And right now Pittsburgh is on a roll. You know, Pittsburgh's winning games. They're winning games in, in, in most of the ways that you can. I think their last loss was that home date that they had against Dallas. I believe that was the at, at last uh, loss that the Steelers had. Yes, it was. That was the last of their four-game losing streak. Um, yeah. Since then, 
they've played the Browns, the Colts, the Giants, and the Bills. <laughs> the Giants, by record, are a good team. But I'll put an asterisk next to that because I don't believe in them at all. So the, the Steelers are clearly getting up on bad teams. They're, they're bum-slaying right now. That's what I think they're doing. Because oh. if you look at their four-game... If you look at their four-game losing streak, Miami, New England, Baltimore, and Dallas, hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit tougher. Yeah, so I, I am going to go squarely on record here as saying that the Steelers are about a league average team. They beat the bad teams, and they lose to the good teams. Fortunately for them, they have only division games left, which means they get the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Browns. So Ravens are probably going to have to win out because you figure that Pittsburgh is going to win at Cincinnati and against the Browns. So I think the only chance here is that the Ravens win out and the Steelers, even if they do win those two out of three and lose to the Ravens by virtue of the tiebreaker and the head-to-head, being that Baltimore has already beaten Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh would be done. Um, and I wouldn't be stunned to see that happen. I wouldn't either. My, my observations of the Steelers still remains the same, is that they bum-slaying is, is pretty much the way uh, to describe them because they win the games that they are supposed to win. And when they yeah. get beat, they get beat. Yeah, this year, they, those yeah, losses this year is are just, they get whooped. So that's I, you can't trust a team that gets whooped like that because that means anytime they go down fourteen nothing, they're going to start looking around and going, "Oh, come on, here we go again. Is we about to get, we about to lose again? Come on, guys, it's about to get our ass whooped again. Let's go." So, yeah, it's certainly hard to trust a team like that. But they did it in, in Buffalo uh, in the snow with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so the strange. Uh, ultra competitive fantasy league that we're in with football fan rush radio. That's that's yeah. Cass's instructions or whatever that sets the league up. So when I go on the, the team the, to the league page this uh, this past week, getting ready for uh, my game on Sunday and Monday, whatnot. And I see that I don't have a game on Sunday and Monday because yeah, I have drawn I. a buy in her little yeah. playoff format. I scratch my head and go, okay, I don't have to worry about this league for this week because I don't I don't have a game or whatever. Well, guess who has Le'Veon Bell in his league? That would be two thumbs at this guy. So I found a new way to take great performances from guys on my team and have it mean nothing. nothing. It wasn't that Le'Veon Bell was on my bench. Is that I didn't have a game. So 47.8 oh, points. For Le'Veon Bell went to me against nobody. That's a new one. That is an all-timer. Usually I take a performance like that and put it on my bench because I decided that Spencer Ware was a better matchup or something like that for the week, something stupid. But since I... There he was sitting in my starting lineup 47.8 47.8 points, and it doesn't matter. I score six points, and I'm probably going to. That's good. You cut out pretty bad there for a minute. Get off of my chest. Oh. 
I think we're having a little we were having a little technical difficulty there for a moment. You were cutting out pretty on me pretty bad. I don't know if that was on my end or yours. So uh, probably on my end, which is fine. I was just ranting about Le'Veon Bell and nothing important. Yeah, I, I noticed I had a buy this last week as well, but the other league that I'm in, my work league, I was uh playing a game and managed to completely obliterate the team that I was playing in the playoffs. It's pretty yeah, happy with that. It's what happens when your starting lineup has one player, one, have less than 10 points for the week. It's stacked. I, I even had the Malcolm Mitchell pickup this last week. Oh, jeez. Come through for me. Yeah. You, you should go get Chris Hogan now on the on the waiver wire. Well, no, and then in our league, our highly competitive league, <laughs> um, I don't know who I play this week. My nobody. Am I on buy again? Uh, so yeah, this is oh, whatever yeah, this format is. Last... It's not us. It's not our fault. It's this cast. Okay, I'm playing the. Uh, was nine, let's see. I was nine and four. And I'm playing somebody that's seven and six. Okay. No, I, I in our league, I managed to, to uh, I, I somehow you cut Thomas Rawls in our league. So yeah, a couple I, weeks ago. I picked ago. him up. And then I also picked up Taylor Gabriel in our league. Yep. Who I don't know if he's going to crack the lineup because I am definitely going, uh, uh, I'm making a tough call this week starting Russell Wilson tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night, over Tom Brady in Denver. But I have a feeling Russell Wilson's going to have a bounce back here. Just saying. He, he should. <laughs> he certainly should. I would hope so. I would hope so. But that's been, that's been a, a it, it's been a fun little league. I guess we're both, we're both in the playoffs huh, this week. I, I don't know if I have a bye either this week. I have no idea. I know I had a bye last week. I don't think so. Uh, you don't. Okay. So I am playing. You are playing uh, as well. We're just not playing each other. That's good. Uh, playoffs. So uh, you were talking about teams that have perfect division records, and I was looking down the list and surprised to see that there were only three teams that are four and zero in their division. So you talked about the Ravens, uh, those goofy Kansas City Chiefs who had that Thursday night win are four in, order in their division. Are you looking or do you want to take a guess at who the other team is that's perfect in their division? Since you brought it up, I'm going to guess it's somebody I don't like and immediately I thought Houston. Ding, ding, ding. And I did not look. Seven and six Houston Texans are four and oh in their division. <sighs> I don't like them either. I don't want to see them in the playoffs at all. Talk about teams you don't want to see in the playoffs. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I yeah. really don't. Please, please, Titans. Please, Titans. Just win. I don't care that you're going to be the three thirty afternoon game on Saturday. I don't care. Nobody's going to want to watch the game. Nobody's going to want to see Raiders at Titans. Or <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that would be strange. Bet. Yeah. Would it be any worse yeah. than what we're going to get in the NFC? Would it be Giants Falcons bad? Remember the last time we saw that playoff matchup? 
oh god was it 28 to 2 or 26 to 2 20, or something 20, like that? 26 or 24 to 2 the falcons got a safety to start the game and stopped scoring <laughs> and didn't score another point yes the offense they were leading zero. the game two to nothing two to nothing uh, why do i remember that god i, mean, I remember that as a fan football. of the team that's why i remember uh, that it was in I, I don't new know york. why i remember that it's in new york so uh yep. I, I i guess we need to continue to sing the praises of the tampa bay bucks Okay, we got to talk about this defense uh, that yeah, just decided now, Drew, Drew Brees is now thrown no <laughs> Drew Brees also has had yeah. all sorts of streaks end at the hands of the Lions and the Buccaneers. Are, are the Lions and the Buccaneers secretly the best teams in the NFC and we just don't know about it? That'd be a hell of a secret, man. That's, that'd be bigger than Victoria's secret. That'd be a huge... I, what what the Bucks are doing is one of those things we see uh, every now and then. Uh, sometimes a team goes on like a five or six week streak of just playing their ass off on a certain aspect of their team that wasn't all that good, and it just it just gels together, it just all comes together. And right now we're watching the Tampa Bay defense just knock fools out and shut people down. And is that going to continue? I certainly wouldn't bet on it, but that's what they're doing right now. And and they're doing it against some very tough competition. Uh, Drew Brees and the Saints, I thought, were going to come in angry at having their touchdown streak ended and, and put up some big yardage. And the Buccaneers said, no, we're, we're not going to let you. We're just going to make all the plays. We're going to make the, the tough interception at the end of the game to, to seal the deal where we're just going to zip right in and you, you got your receiver you think is open. We're going to zip right in underneath them and pick it off. They're just making the plays and I have no idea why, but uh, give, give your former favorite head coach, uh, Mike Davis, the credit uh, or Mike Smith, rather uh, they're, they're doing it. The defense is doing it for the Buccaneers and I don't know how long it's going to keep up, but they're, they're doing it at the moment. Yeah, and, and and what's impressive here is though that since they they started this five game winning streak, uh, the game before that they got ripped by the Falcons, which we expected. Since then they beat the Bears, which is no great shakes. They they won in Kansas City. They beat yeah. the Seahawks. They beat the Chargers, which we both I believe had that one. Um, and then they held Drew Brees and the Saints to eleven. And kept Drew Brees both, out of the end zone. We both had San Diego to knock off Tampa yeah. Bay last week. Oh, we did? That's right. And San Diego was winning that game for a while. And then, uh, you know, and then and then we took them here this week. And we just had to keep them rolling, right? I mean, that's why I think what it was with this last pick where we both had Tampa, I believe. Or did you have New Orleans? You didn't have New Orleans, did you? Yeah, I thought Drew Brees was going to oh, okay. rise up. So that was one of our 10. Right. <laughs> hey, I get yes, to claim yes, geniusness. You just waited yeah, this long to talk about that game because you didn't want me to claim my <laughs> geniusness for having Tampa Bay. This is both of our show. You could have talked about them anytime you wanted. <laughs> That's true. But that just didn't really it, – it wasn't fitting in with the flow of the conversation. Um, uh, and that wasn't the game that needed – that, that didn't need to make it into the live show. That's okay. That wasn't really highlight material. 
Uh, although, yeah, because you kicked my ass in the highlights portion. You know, you won all three of the highlight games. If people only would have listened to the first 35 minutes of our last <laughs> show, they'd think you're like, you know, tout service, you know, Jesus. Um, little did right. they realize yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> then I start that would split the, uh, those 10 and you'd blow your lock. <laughs> yeah, I, I start the uh, in much less detail portion of the show by screaming that you have to take the Vikings Jags under and then taking the Browns as my lock of the week. So I, I definitely lost my geniusness after that. I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly talk myself up too much after that. That's why I started the show talking about something that put the spotlight back on me. The G-Men, G-Men, I told you. Got their second win over the Cowboys, I tell you. Um, but yeah, I, but I definitely had it wrote, uh, written down that I needed to bring up the Tampa Bay defense and 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 talk about them a little bit because I don't know what's going on there, but they are looking like one of the better units in football the last three or four weeks. And there's no telling when a magic spell like that ends, but this is what they call riding the hot hand. If you, if we were out in Vegas, we'd have guys in our ear telling us about the Tampa. You got to play Tampa Bay, man. They're hot, man. Their defense is stopping everybody. That's the team. You got to ride the hot hand. So uh, we'll, we'll see if I decide to do that in their uh, next game, which is going to be, as I look at my sheet, um, a no, Sunday nighter at Dallas. And this was the so point I was about to make. You know, that's a test. My thunder a little you stole my thunder here a little bit. If you would have told me before the season started that in week 15, we would be highlighting Bucks Cowboys, I would have said you were insane. Yeah. I believe I got flexed. Um, it wasn't supposed to, it wasn't supposed to be like that. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be a Sunday nighter, but that the, the Cowboys being what they've been this year. And then the, the, Buccaneers now stepping up to be a playoff contender. Uh, so they got flexed into the, the, into the slot. Just the fact that the, the best potential matchups this week, the best games this week, we have new England and Denver. That's a shoe in mm-hmm. the lions and the giants. Legitimate bowl, legitimacy bowl. Titans and the chiefs. Yeah, and then that's you have, crazy. <laughs> and, then you have, and then you have the Bucks and the Cowboys. This whole week, other than uh, New England-Denver, th- those are the highlight. If you want to know anything about how effed up this season has been, <laughs> there it is. There's your proof, because I just pretty much gave you what are the most likely highlight games this week. Titans-Chiefs, Lions-Giants, and Tampa Cowboys to go along with New England and Denver. That is crazy. It's the season of parody, I'm telling you. Or parody with a D. Is it, maybe that's the most more fitting spelling of it. It's, it's something. They're, they're, there's not much separating these teams at all. It really isn't. No. I mean, you got the bottom feeders going for that number one draft spot. And then the the middle tier, which there seems to be about 10 or 15 uh, every week, seems to be in that sort of floating middle tier. And then you got the the top teams. But the top teams and and all those middle teams, they could easily be interchangeable. I I don't know if the Chiefs and the Raiders and uh, the Cowboys are 
teams that are going to be double digit wins top of the league for the next five or 10 years or something. They could easily be in the, in the mixed as one of those middle floating teams next year, uh, more so than anything. Yeah. I mean, we just never know what we're going to get. And, and, and here we are with just this week's just, this week is a microcosm of the whole year so far that games that we would have assumed like, Oh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and, and, and you know, even yeah. Colts Vikings game Saints Cardinals. There are games that if we had to pick, this is the problem, by the way, this is why games get flexed. Exactly. <laughs> this is why that happens right now, because games that look good on paper, before when the when the schedule comes out, whenever the schedule comes out, like in in April, you know, or right around draft time, um, when the schedule comes out, or not that far from there, the games that looked good on paper then, when they start talking about all oh, those matchups, I love it when the schedule comes out. You're like, oh, games you're going to have to watch for this year. There's a week, you know, fourteen tilt between this team and the, and how often is it that those games end up being total crap? And here ESPN it is this year was, because, yep. ESPN was drooling probably over Panthers Redskins on Monday night for this week, thinking it was going to be a huge, huge game. And, and <sighs> it's not, it's just not. No. It, it's, it's just not. I mean, the Panthers are five and eight. Oof. Wow. They never saw that coming. No. Not, not after as dominating as they looked last year. And even in loss, even in defeat in that Super Bowl, because Denver's offense was so anemic, you know, Carolina was in that game for long stretches of the game by points. Although when you watched it, they didn't pass the eye test. You weren't watching that game thinking that Carolina was in the game. But the scoreboard said that it wasn't a blowout. But you have to actually watch to get the full story, as is is normally the case. Yeah. Yeah, but for large portions of that game into the third quarter, maybe even into the beginning of the fourth quarter, that game just wasn't over. It was over if you were watching the game. If you just picked up your phone and checked out the score of the Super Bowl, like, oh, yeah, it's a competitive game. And although it was the exact opposite of that, because Carolina was just being completely dominated by that Denver defense. So congrats to the Jets and the Rams who managed to quit on their coaches and one case getting them fired and eliminated themselves from any kind of playoff contention. Um, There's a lot of teams in the hunt in that big middle tier that I was just talking about. But at the moment, it's, it's getting around that time to start looking at playoff uh, situations and scenarios. Uh, as I said, the Cowboys are the only ones to clinch a playoff spot so far. The Lions actually, with that comeback win, moved up ahead of Seattle as far as seeding in the NFC. So there's That's still right. three weeks to go for all of this to, to sort itself out. But the Lions would be the two seed at the moment in the NFC. And then the Seahawks and the Falcons rounding out the division leaders in the NFC and the current wildcard teams, the New York Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. Could could you imagine we could see Giants at Falcons, Bucks at Seahawks in that first weekend? Those would be some different (laughs) matchups. That's almost stomach churning. 
And we would also get the we'd also get the scintillating Raiders Texans game that I forecasted. And uh, <laughs> at the moment, we would have Broncos Steelers. Although I would not be stunned to see the Broncos maybe even fall out here, um, but we'll see. Yeah, they're ahead of the Dolphins in the wild card at the moment just because of tiebreakers because they have the same record. So, again, three weeks for all of this to to shake itself out, but that's how it's looking at the moment. Um, And realistically, in the hunt to snatch a wild card spot in the NFC would still be Washington, Minnesota, and Green Bay. Of course, Minnesota's been backsliding, and Green Bay has been surging forward, so you would think they would have a, a shot to take over one of those wild card spots but the Redskins right there and these ties are, are going to start playing a, a, a part in some of these breakdowns yeah. because Washington Ties has one better less than loss. loss. That's yeah. right than the than the Red than the than the Vikings and the Packers because they have a tie instead of a loss. So they're seven five and one. Um and in the hunt in the AFC, the Dolphins still have an eight and five record despite looking like they were backsliding. And, and now, even though they get the win over Arizona, they have uh, Ryan Tannehill is done for probably the rest of the season with a uh, messed up knee uh, that he got slammed into by Calais Campbell. So if they make the playoffs, it's going to be Matt Moore driving the bus and, and steering him into the playoffs. And I don't know about you, but I don't see that happening <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't what imagine a way to, Matt Moore what a way to go out yeah. for, the, for the Dolphins because they're right there so you, you've almost got to figure that they're not going to be there um, I need to get one more um, but that, yeah, that's, 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 that's tough, the Broncos, tough. They, would, they would be right there the Broncos would slip again Dolphins yeah. would would be right there to step up, except they got Matt Moore. So if they can't step up, then behind them would be there's the Baltimore Ravens at seven and six, tied with the Tennessee Titans. And who knows? The Titans might be uh, ready to make a surge for the rest of the year. It, I, again, I've never seen a quarterback or heard of a quarterback that afraid to throw. But if they can win games like that, then I mean, uh, that, that's a different way to win, but it, it's it, it was effective on Sunday. And uh, but that's such a weird team, though. It really is. Um, it, it, they relied so much on the running game this year to get them where they are. But when they started adding in some elements of, of going through the air with Mariota, it seemed like they were turning the corner and routing into like a, a, a full team, like a real contending team. And then this game against the Broncos as they come off the bye, it, it appeared that they got like scared to death and decided not to run any pass plays at all and see, can we win the game that way? The, the Broncos are so good at defending the pass. We got Chris Harris. We're going to have our guy, uh, Harry Douglas, just go out there on a run play and completely tear his knee up and eliminate him from the game in one of the cheapest yeah. shots you'll ever see. Um, yeah. So that's how, they said the that's goon, how we're going to win. Goon. We're going to run the it's ball hockey, and we're going to move. They said the goon out there to, to take this other guy's <laughs> knee out. Oh, my God. And you it worked. Galoolied. You got galoolied. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. So wait a minute. Are we, we we joked about showing our age? I think we just did that again. Oh yeah, that was 1994. Was that when we were coming out of high school when that happened? At the uh, the Olympics. 
with that old yeah. Tanya Harding and and Jeff Galuli. Uh, I just watched that story on uh, one of those ESPN 30 for 30s. It's it's even more seemly and disgusting than I remember because I didn't know how much of a piece of trailer trash that Tanya Harding was at the time. So uh, to to watch it and get the full story and the whole thing, and she's still denying she was a part of that, by the way. She's still denying any uh, – she's got plausible deniability. I, I didn't know what they were doing. That's them. That's that's my ex-husband and his uh, his goon who is now dead, by the way. But – yeah, she's still denying the whole thing, and it, it, she, she's she's a piece of work. I tell you, she, she's she's something. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely showing our age by uh, referencing Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan and Jeff Galuli. Yeah, no, yep, that that was the, the goon the goon analogy too. I mean, do they still have that in hockey? Do they still have? The, I don't even know if they have that anymore. You know, the the Bob Probert style player. You know, oh. just. Send a guy out there to just high stick somebody because you don't like him. That's right. Like the guy's told Shout you out to Bob he's Prober, basically a professional. <laughs> We're not showing our age with that one yeah. either. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob Probert. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on, he was. Existed. He was, yeah, he was a guy. Moon. I mean, he spent more time in the penalty box, I think, than he spent on the ice. Right, because he would get on the ice and just charge after somebody, and then he'd be spending the next five minutes on the in the box. So yeah. twenty seconds of ice time and five minutes of penalty time. That was right. that was the Bob Probert rule, basically. Yeah, it was basically they'd keep him on. You know, they, he was on your bench to go get and keep the other team honest. So hey, we got a little hockey and ice skating wow. on our show. Very tonight. little, very very little. And Akeem Talib was right. He 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 said in the post game press conference that Harry Douglas is out there to do that. He he would guess because he's not out there to play football. He doesn't catch anything. He's just running around, just basically uh, doing nothing. And all, all of a sudden, here he comes, looking at, at Chris Harris and staring at him, and then just dives right at his knee and, and clips him and takes him out. So it's, it's it was like he was a goon. It was it's like that's all he was there for. And, uh, you know, Tlaib being a loose cannon himself, of course, the next play goes after Harry Douglas and tries to kick his ass right there on the field, which is not the smartest thing to do. But uh, but I can't, I almost can't blame him because, seriously, that's all he was trying to do was take Chris Harris's leg out. And so the Titans are – they're not a complete team. They're, they might be a dirty team. We, we see that now. They might be a team that's trying to beat you with illegal tactics. They might be the rule breakers yeah. of, of, the, of the NFL, but – but they're there. They're in the playoff hunt. So we'll see if they continue to. So, do so does that. So so Harry Harry uh, Harry Douglas did a little Karate Kid thing there. He went he went all Cobra Kai on him. You know, sweep the leg, sweep the leg, Harry. Yeah, it, that's another iconic movie. I've 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 heard a lot of things about. It. I might see that one day. <laughs> that's like a thirty year old movie. Yeah. Someday you'll watch yeah, the Karate Kid, and, and I'm not talking about the Will Smith. The Jaden Smith oh. one, where, where it was, oh, I believe you... it was him and him and Jackie Chan. Yes, I'm aware of it. Yeah, I'm aware of it too. No, no, I'm talking never about had any interest Ralph, in that. Ralph Macchio. Um, I think he's Pat pushing Marita. fifty now. That's how old he that is. That's sense. how old that movie that is. Make, that's how old we are. That's how old we are. Yes. Pat yeah, Marita's you're, long you're, you're, know that. you're creeping up on 41 here. That's right. Respect your elders. 
Um, yeah, it's nine, nine whole days away. Um, it's funny because my wife's asking me what I want to do for her. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's not a big deal to me at all. You know, whatever. I'll tell you what we're not doing. We're not going to Vegas. Uh, no, no, that not this year. We'll not be doing I think that. I'm still tired from that trip. <laughs> Unless it's a big surprise and you're going to surprise us like like we surprised you or something like that. I know uh, there's nothing in the, the dope. <laughs> it's not evident. Okay. Oh, I you know we we we've had our year of being men and, and being forty, and now we're about to be done with that and exit that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, it's, it's not that. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm forty. It's not nearly as big a deal as that. When you turn forty, that's a huge. That's a huge thing. That's a big deal. Forty-one, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling it. This doesn't even feel like. I, mean, I think I'm working on my birthday this year. It doesn't even feel like a big deal. I told my work because it's a Friday. I told my work. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe just toss me Saturday off because I'm sure if my wife has something going on, she'll probably be have a few people over and have some cake. I think it's actually going to be a bigger deal that it's Daddy's birthday for my kids. I think that's a bigger mm-hmm. deal than 41 is going to feel like for me. I, I had my fun. I had my 40. You know, we, I had the big surprise and and, and and the whirlwind week after the you know finding out on Thursday that we're going to Vegas and then on Sunday we're out there. Um, yep. I had that fun and that that was great. I don't need uh, I, I don't need to relive that for a while. <laughs> 40, uh, 41 more... can just be. A, run-of-the-mill birthday and my kids get to sing me happy birthday and i think i'm more excited for that than anything sure uh, one more football thing i wanted to throw out there one more reason to believe in the the eagles continued slide and to, to keep shorting the eagles going you talk about afraid to do anything we talked about Mariota being afraid to throw the football carson wins is afraid to throw the football down the field to anybody carson wins had 19 completions in this loss to the uh, to the redskins he had 19 completions to tight ends alone zach Ertz had 10 catches trey burton had seven and brent Selleck had two he had 19 completions to tight ends if you get a team out there that's got some decent linebackers and they manage to cover up the tight ends he's going to turtle he's going to completely go into the fetal position right there in the middle of the field because he's afraid to try to do anything else with the football right now and that team's those numbers just keep getting worse and worse the eagles that used to that they were up in the top five in passing after the first few weeks of the season right now they're 23rd and going lower and lower so it just keeps getting worse actually they're 21st now after uh they, they go for 314 but most of it is to tight end so uh as long as you cover those guys up you're gonna be able to succeed against the eagles yeah, and we've been we've been watching this another team that started fast. We've been watching this slow slide, this downward slide for the Eagles after that hot start, and here they are five and eight. Um, but again, did we have real high hopes for this Eagles team? I'm I, I'm not sure that we did. You know, no, it, we didn't. It's but bad it's just because. Fun to- to look back at all the people that were slobbering and fawning over there. You remember Winsylvania? That was fun. Yeah. Again, here's another one. He, you know, throws for those 300 yards and basically, uh, you know, six six 6.8 yards per attempt. That, that's that's not very good. Um, 
you know, Kirk Cousins only completes 14 balls in that game for 234 yards <laughs> as a that's effective. That's a much better game. Um, it, it, he's actually sprinkling in ball all over. He, Jordan Reed um, was a decoy. He, he's been hurt. Yep. And Vernon Davis, those two combined for 2-11. and 11. You know, Kirk right. Cousins was getting the ball out on the edge. And that offense has been pretty dynamic this year. But it, it, unfortunately, Washington right now, as much fun as that team is, and has been that early bad start is potentially going to keep them out of the playoffs. And uh, I think that would sap some of the fun if we end up having to watch the Giants or, or, the, or Tampa <laughs> or some of these teams. Unless Tampa keeps doing what they're doing and then they're, they're that like dark horse team that maybe sneaks in and does a little damage. Um, until I, uh, until so- I, my gut tells me otherwise. They they feel like them and the Giants both feel like one and dones to me. But uh. yeah, they're so intriguing because I don't know what to make of them at all. <laughs> the Buccaneers, not at all. Let's see if they can keep it up. Uh, as far as our shows this week, this is going to start that weird part of the regular season schedule where we have Saturday night football, which makes picking games on Saturday night a little problematic, unless. We want to pick them on Twitter or something before Saturday comes, but otherwise we'd have to do a Friday night show because we have Saturday night football coming this week. Nope. Are, are you still there? No. This is a bad time to, to lose contact with Jason because we're trying to discuss when our next show is going to be, and I. I'm not hearing anything at all from from Jason. So we, we we kept a connection for two hours here, even though we have been breaking up and and kind of missing our connections. But so we, we kept it alive as long as we could. So that's good. Um, Jason, are you there? Oh, hello. I thought I heard something. Uh, and if he winds up dropping, then we, first of all, we only have two minutes left in the uh, in the after show. And second of all, if he drops, he can't call back in because we're not live. So, well, Jason and I will have to get together apparently during the week, or maybe he'll text me before. Uh, oh, hello. Jason, are you there? Jason, are you there? As you could hear all the noise of him trying to get back in, but uh, now he's just dropped. All right, that's the end of that. All right, he was Jay. I am still Dre. This has been in much less detail the podcast, and we will get together and figure out what we're going to do as far as our Friday or Saturday night show to pick the rest of Week 15 in the NFL, where we don't have to worry about locks of the week because we both locked in the Seattle Seahawks to cover 15 points against the LA Rams on Thursday night because that's how bad the Rams are. So uh, we'll get together for the rest of the picks on Week 15. 
sometime this weekend and be back to listen to that and hopefully enjoy our witty repartee. Talk to you then. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.